morning we were talking about spiritual warfare. And, you know, that goes a little bit in line with what we're discussing on Sunday nights. And if you don't know what spiritual warfare is, well, you've got to realize pretty quick, if you don't know, you ought to know that you have an enemy and his name is the devil. And he does, he tries to come in and, and you know, the Bible, t- so many verses, we looked at a lot this morning, but it says to, to be on guard, man, be alert. Because your adversary, the devil, he goes around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And so we've got to always know that, that he's, he's, he's coming at us. But the good news is we don't have to be scared. I am not afraid of the devil. Did you know that? I'm not afraid of, of, of what he's got going on because if God is for me, who can be against me? And I'm more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. So uh, we're going to look at some great stuff tonight about Joshua, the son of Nun. Tonight is part six of our series and uh, this is, I've, I've been having a pretty good time. Who's been enjoying learning about Joshua? I think it's been, I've loved it, man. Each week we look at a new story, and I mean, I'm getting excited just reading this stuff. It's awesome. Uh, but, but last week, if you remember, just to catch you up, well, to do the whole catch up, week one, I know, I've got to go there. Week one, Joshua took over for Moses. Moses had led the children of Israel for all these years, 40 years through the wilderness, uh, Moses, it's his time to die. So he's 120. He dies. And Joshua, his assistant, takes over. And so the, one of the first things, you know, that we see in Joshua chapter 1, God keeps telling him, listen, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And one of the main things that I'm trying to get everybody to, to take out of this series is Joshua 1 eight, where he says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate in it day and night. And so Joshua kept repeating the word to himself. And, and that's what meditate means. It means to repeat something to yourself. And so God said, Joshua, if you're going to do this impossible task, you're going to have to get the, you know, they didn't have the Bible yet. They had the law. You have to repeat the law to yourself day and night. Keep walking around. Keep speaking the word to yourself day and night. For only then will you make your way prosperous and you'll have good success. And so we keep seeing these same things over and over throughout the whole story that we're reading. God keeps saying, Josh, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. And then we keep seeing instances where Joshua, those times, those times early on, before the battles came, those times when Joshua was diligent to speak the word, it came back to him in his moment of need. And if you won't speak the word now when things are going okay, it's not going to be there when that, when that hour comes. You're going to be searching everywhere. But if you've been someone that's been going around speaking the word, studying the word, when crisis hits, it just comes out of you. Boom. You are ready for the fight. You're not looking around, where did I put that Bible? I know it's somewhere. Uh, oh man, my cell service is down. I can't open up the Bible app. You don't know what's going on. So I'm telling you, be ready, prepare in advance. Amen? And so last week we saw, we got a great reminder that we need to always consult the Lord in every situation. These people uh, called the Gibeonites, they're from a city called Gibeon, they came and they tricked Joshua. Do you remember this? They came in and said, hey, we're from a faraway land. We've traveled many, many weary miles. Here's some molded bread to show you how long we've been out on the road. And it turns out they weren't from far away at all. They were from right up the pike. And they were just there to try to get on Joshua's good side. But in the end, it all turned out for good. Nothing bad happened to the Israelites. And Joshua even called on God to not let the sun set for one whole day. And because of that, there's a day recorded in history, not just the Hebrews, but many civilizations throughout the world have recorded a day in that time period where the sun never set. And Joshua had a full 24 hours of daylight 
just like it was high noon, and he fought the battle and he won. So it's a pretty cool thing what we saw last week. So this week, we're going to see how Joshua finished some unfinished business, and he took care of some more people. And this is going to be exciting. I love this. some of the stories we're going to look at tonight. So with all that said, let's pray, and we're going to get into the Word tonight. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for bringing us together. We thank you, Lord, that we have a church to worship in, that we, that we have a place to call home. God, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll open our hearts and our minds to your word tonight, Lord. Speak to us. You know what we need to hear. You know what each person's going through. Speak to us tonight and change our lives, Lord. We need you. In Jesus' name, amen. And so uh, Joshua took care of the, the Amorites last week. You know, he went out there and the whole sunsetting deal was awesome. But now a bunch of the other cities around there, they, they were like, listen, we've got to do something about Joshua. These guys, we've got to attack now before they attack us. And so a big group of armies ganged up on Israel. And the first point tonight is this. Number one, number one, Joshua did not panic. Joshua didn't panic because... It looked really, really bad what he was getting ready to face. And so Joshua didn't panic. And we're going to look at uh, Joshua chapter 11. This will be our, our place tonight. Joshua chapter 11. So open up your Bibles to Joshua chapter 11. All right. Joshua 11. And we're going to look at verse 4. And, and what's going on here is these guys, they all joined forces. And there were over 10 armies lined up against Israel, over 10 armies lined up against Israel. And that's, that's, that can't be a good feeling. I mean, you're down 10 to 1. This is not a good situation. But Joshua chapter 11 and verse 4, it says, All these kings came out to fight. Their combined armies formed a vast horde, and with all their horses and chariots, they covered the landscape like the sand of the seashore. Wow. I mean, that's a, that's a thick army right there. Over ten armies, and, and there were so many soldiers, horses, chariots, everything else. The hillsides were covered, just dotted with soldiers and chariots and the enemy moving in. I mean, even though Joshua's seen a lot of miracles, he's experienced a lot of things, your natural human instinct at that point would be to, I mean... Okay, this is a little intimidating. There is, you can't even count how many, and they're just swarming in on you like the plague. And it's, it just looks like a bad situation. This looks like something that anybody would panic out of. But I've got to tell you, this is a classic attack of the devil. Classic. This is textbook, man. You know, it's obvious that God's on your side. You're getting victory after victory. Things are starting to go good. You're starting to get into the promised land that God has for you. You're starting to see some victories, some successes, some conquering, some battles, some things that have held you back. You're starting to get there at once. And, and then it seems like out of nowhere, Satan will just throw everything at you all at once. He just will, I mean, unleash and just toss everything out there. Ten armies, it seems like they're moving in on you. Anybody else ever been there? It seems like, boom, here it comes all at once. And listen, listen to me. If that moment happens, this is an attack of the devil. And, and this is the time we're talking about this morning where you've got to stand up. And you, you at that point, you had better have had some word in your heart. You better know how to fight before you're outnumbered a million to one. You better already know how to fight. That is not the time. I mean, thank God for his mercy, but it's a lot harder uh, to, to learn how to fight a battle. It's a lot harder to get trained when you're being attacked than it is 
early on before all this stuff ever happens. And so the devil, the enemy, whatever you want to call it, everybody, they're all ganging up. They're all pouring in. Joshua's, you know, he's fought single armies. He, he's taken out a couple at a time. He's won these, these, these victories step by step. But now it's like the floodgates open and boom, here comes the, the most massive attack that he's ever seen. He is surrounded on every side. Soldiers, enemy soldiers, chariots, horses, as far as the eye can see. This is an intimidating and bad situation. But look at verse 6. Look at verse 6 because every time he's attacked by the enemy, he goes to the Lord and the Lord speaks to him every single time. That should be a lesson for you. If you're attacked, you go to the Lord. Look at this. Then the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid of them. How many times have we heard that said to Joshua? Don't, Joshua, listen to me. Don't be afraid. He said, by this time tomorrow, I will hand all of them over to Israel as dead men. Then you must cripple their horses and burn their chariots. And, and this is a powerful word of the Lord. Don't be afraid of them. How many times have we heard this? Don't be afraid. And listen to me. If you're surrounded by the enemy right now, if, if it feels like you're surrounded on every single side, God's saying the same thing to you. Don't be afraid of them. Because listen, God can turn things around just like that. In this case, 24 hours. I mean, and, and it could be even less than that. God can turn things around if you'll do things His way. There may be a battle you've been fighting for years. But in just one minute, God can completely destroy that enemy, completely crush that situation if you'll do things his way and you'll seek him. And, you know, we've drawn a lot of parallels throughout this series between Joshua and David. And, and David, I mean, they had a lot of things in common, but one thing they both knew about was what it, what it meant to be attacked and outnumbered by the enemy. Because David spent a lot of his life being outtacked or being attacked and outnumbered in bad situations. So hold Joshua 11. But I want you to flip over to one of my favorite Psalms, Psalm 27. Psalm 27, one of my favorite Psalms. Look at this. Psalm 27. And so David and Joshua, they were both intense intense warriors man they they knew what it was like to be in battle they didn't just write about it they didn't just talk about it these guys they fought battles physically and spiritually look at this psalm 27 and we're looking at the first three verses but i encourage you 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 should read this whole thing on your own later psalm 27 verse 1 king david writes the lord is my light and my salvation so why should i be afraid Let me think about that. God's on your side. The Lord is my light. He's my salvation. God wants me to win. Why should I be afraid? There's no reason I should be afraid. God is on my side. The Lord is my fortress protecting me from danger. So why should I tremble? I'm not going to sit here and suck my thumb and tremble like a baby. No. God's on my side. He's my fortress. He protects me from danger. I am not going to be afraid. He's my light. He's my salvation. Verse 2. When evil people come to devour me, and sometimes that happens. Sometimes that happens. When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. They will stumble and fall. I'm not afraid for me. I'm afraid for them. Because if they mess with me, they're messing with God. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Why should I be afraid? 
He's protecting me. He's my fortress. When the enemies attack me, they're going to stumble and fall. Verse 3, though a mighty army surrounds me. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound like what Joshua's going through right now? When the mighty army surrounds me, maybe that sounds like what you're going through right now. He says, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I'm attacked, I will remain confident. That's what I'm getting at right there. Even if I'm attacked, so what? Maybe the devil's threatened. Maybe you've had threats. Maybe the attack does come anyway. I will still remain confident. Just because you're attacked, it doesn't mean that God forgot about you. Just, just because you're attacked, just because the enemy gets up close, that doesn't mean that you're on your own. That does not mean that you're on your own. And David and Joshua had this same attitude that you have to have. Sometimes you've been praying. Sometimes you've been doing everything right, just like Joshua was doing, just like David did so many times. Maybe you've done everything that you know to do, and still an attack comes. Maybe still a bad report comes. Maybe still you hear something that you didn't want to hear. You can't just at that point say, well, that's it. I give up. I did everything right, and I still get attacked. I give up. That, it's not fair. It's not right. I guess, you know, maybe this whole thing just doesn't work. I give up. Where was God? No, that's not the attitude you have. You say, even if I'm attacked, I'll still remain confident. God's on my side. Even if the report comes that you didn't want to hear. Even if you're seeing things that you did not want to see, that is not the time to give up and lose your hope. That's the time to say, even if I'm attacked, I will remain confident. God is on my side. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Why should I be afraid? He's my fortress protecting me from danger. Even if it comes against me, it doesn't matter. I'm still going to win. My enemies are going to stumble. They're going to fall. I am not going to be overtaken by this. That's what David and Joshua both had, this attitude. And I can't tell you how many times I've gone to this verse right there. When maybe I've been standing for something and an attack still came anyway. I say, no, that's all right. Listen, even if I'm attacked, it doesn't matter. I will remain confident. God is still on my side. He still loves me. I'm still going to win. I am still going to beat this thing. And maybe it's going to be a comfort behind victory. Sometimes those make the best stories in the end. But listen, I'm going to win. God is on my side. And that's the attitude that you have to have. And David and Joshua both had this. They both had this attitude. And that's what a warrior has. A warrior doesn't give up just because they get hit. They do not give up. And that's what we need to be like. So be a warrior like David and Joshua. So flip back to chapter 11 here. Joshua chapter 11. We had to get our our weekly dose of David. Don't want to leave him out. Joshua chapter 11. And if we ever for chance do a series on David, then maybe we'll throw Joshua in there a time or two also. All right. Joshua chapter 11, verses 7 and 8. So God tells him, listen, don't be afraid. Just... Calm down, Josh. Don't be afraid. By this time tomorrow, I'm going to hand every single one of them over to you. You're going to win this thing, and you're going to win big. And so look here. Joshua 11, verses 7 and 8. So Joshua and all his fighting men traveled to the water near Miram and attacked suddenly. They didn't wait to get attacked. They're like, oh, they want to gang up on us. Let's do this. They rolled up their sleeves, and they marched out for the attack. They're like, we're going to hit them first. 
We're not going to wait to get hit. We're going to go out there swinging. And that's what I love about Joshua. He didn't just, he didn't sit around and, and, and hope that he didn't get attacked. And then if he did, he'd start fighting back. Joshua's like, oh, somebody wants some. We're going to go right now. And we're going to settle this once and for all. I'm not going to wait till they hit me. I'm going to go out there against them first. And so he gathers all his men. They march out to where this enemy's gathering and, and they attack suddenly. They attacked fiercely. They attacked with, I mean, with violence. They went after the enemy. And that's what I want to be like in my life. I want to be like Joshua. I I want to hear, oh, the devil's trying to mess with my family over here. Let's go right now. I will drop everything and fight you right now. And that's what Joshua did. He was not afraid of the enemy. He was not afraid of the devil because he knew God was on his side. And so he said, let's go right now. He gathered the boys and they went out there and they attacked the enemy first. They struck first. And the Lord gave them victory over their enemies. The Lord gave them victory over their enemies. The Israelites chased them as far as greater Sidon and Mizpharoth Maim and eastward into the valley of Mizpah until not one enemy warrior was left alive. That, I'm sorry, this probably is the correct phrase, that was a butt kicking right there. They were just outnumbered like 10, 12 armies to one and they went and they chased them with such fury that not, they didn't leave one enemy soldier alive. That is a massacre. I mean, that sounds violent and gory and all this stuff, but listen, they were, getting, they were doing what they were supposed to do. They were clearing out the land, and Joshua wasn't going to take any from anybody. And so not only did they not lose, but within 24 hours, they killed, I mean, they, they cleared every single enemy that was against them. That is insane. And we're not talking about, you know, with, you know, flyover, bomb droppings. I mean, we're talking about some hand-to-hand combat here. They chased every one of those guys down. And what I want to tell you is you have got to be aggressive against the enemy. Learn that now. You have got to be aggressive against the enemy. Don't play games with the devil. You saw that in Ephesians this morning. Neither give place to the devil. I know way too many people that they just toy around with it. Yeah, I know I should take care of this situation. Or I, I know I should cut this out of my life. I know I should do this. I, I know I should start, you know, getting serious about God. And they're just toying around with it. You know, the trouble comes and they'll, okay, I'll get serious about God for a few minutes. But no, you've got to be aggressive against the enemy because I can promise you this. He's going to be aggressive against you. There's not, he doesn't feel sorry for you. He's not going to say, well, you know, he's been through a lot lately. He lost his job. I'm, you know, I get, come on, demons, let's just give him a break for a while. No, he, I mean, he's going to hit you where it hurts, and he's going to keep coming after you until you stand up and do something about it. And the great news is, is what we studied this morning after, out of all of it is that we've got the victory already. Jesus beat Satan. You know what? When he was dead for those three days, he didn't just lay there in a tomb. He went down to hell. And it says that he spoiled principalities and powers, and he made a show of them openly. What does that mean in modern talk? That means Jesus went down to hell for three days, and he didn't just go down there and and say, Satan, come on, man. I want you to leave my people alone. You've been picking on us too long. It's not fair. You're a big bully. You're a big dummy. and, And leave us alone. We're tired of it. No, it says Jesus went down to hell, and it says he spoiled principalities and powers and made a show of them openly. That means he went down there and just just like Joshua just did, he kicked some behind. And it says he made a public spectacle 
of the devil. He went down to hell and kicked his behind in front of all his little buddies. He beat the bully up right in his own home ground. And, and so Jesus, he's on our side. We don't have to be afraid of anything. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Why should I be afraid? Why should I tremble? I'm not going to do it. God is on my side. So I'm telling you, be aggressive against the enemy. Get some verses now. I've told you this. Get some verses now. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, that the devil, he will attack. And you've got to have verses. And you say, well, where do I start? And I, I like to point this out. Just look on the walls around you. This is High Desert Word Center. I think it's very appropriate that we put the word even on our walls. This is High Desert Word Center, not High Desert Play Around Center, not High Desert Play Patty Cake Center. No, this is High Desert Word Center. Just walk in this place and write these verses down, man. Memorize these. These were very intentionally picked verses. This past summer, we prayed over this, you know, Josh and Julie and I and Katie, we were deciding, we don't put these verses on the wall. Man, I prayed about these for weeks and handpicked these things. Look at these things. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Exodus 14, 14. What a verse is that? That's awesome. Look at Mark 5, 36. Do not be afraid. Only believe. This is good stuff. If you'll memorize these, if you'll meditate these, good Lord, when the devil comes knocking on your door, you'll say, listen. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm only going to believe. God is on my side. I'll just stay calm. The Lord himself will fight for me. You'll start speaking these things out, and I'm telling you, it'll make all the difference in the world. So be prepared. Be aggressive against the enemy. And number two is this. What's the next thing that Joshua did to to, to win this? He obeyed every single thing God told him. He obeyed every single thing that God told him. And that's something that we've got to get a hold of. One key thing to winning the battle is that you need to obey what God's telling you personally. You know, sometimes God will speak something very specific to you. Listen to Him. There's been lots of times, you know, that God's He's spoken something to me. And, and I've known it, it's for me, and I've got to listen to that. And, you know, sometimes it's, it's difficult, maybe more so as a preacher, but you, you, you hear something good from God, and the next thing you want to do is, oh, how can, I, how can I tell this to everybody else? How can I apply this? To everybody else's lives. But one thing I've had to learn is that God will sometimes speak something to me personally, giving me instruction that I've got to obey in my life. And the same thing goes for you, that sometimes you know, we've got, we, obviously the word's number one, but what's God speaking to your heart? What's God telling you to do right now? And this is what happened with Joshua here. God gave him some specific instructions. He said, listen, go out there and kill those guys, kill their horses, burn their chariots, do it. And that, to us, that sounds violent, but listen, God said to do it, and that's what he's going to have to do. So look at Joshua 11, verse 9. Joshua 11, verse 9. So we already saw that they, they beat all the enemy. It says, after he beat him, then Joshua crippled the horses and burned all the chariots as the Lord instructed. He did exactly what God said to do. And you may think, well, why did God say that? I don't know. Sometimes God tells me something, and I don't know why he's saying it. But listen, that's not, it's not my job to figure it out. I just know I'm going to listen to what God said. Because too many times, God's told me something, and I said, that I, I, know, I feel that it is God speaking that, but I don't understand that. That, is, that makes no sense to me. And I've ignored it and disobeyed it. And I mean, I can't be the only one. I bet, I bet some of you have done that. I mean, hey. But there's been times where I, I've known on the inside, and it's not an audible voice, 
God very would rarely speak to somebody in an audible voice. It, it can happen. But most of the time, he's going to speak to you on the inside of your heart. And you're going to have this conviction pulling you one way. And it's dangerous to ignore that. It's very dangerous. And I've learned that so many times where I've known God speaking something to me. But I'm like, that, I know that that doesn't make any sense. I, that, I, I don't get it. And I've ignored it. And then I found out later on why he was saying, don't do that. Don't do that deal. Don't go with that person. Don't say that right now. Even though it makes sense, don't say it right now. And then you find out later, oh my gosh, now I see why. I wish I would have listened. I've heard this said, that there's two types of pain in life. There's the pain of discipline and the pain of regret. Discipline weighs ounces. Regrets weigh tons. And so sometimes it seems uncomfortable at the moment to say, I know this is the right thing to do. Okay, I'm going to do it. But it's another thing to have regrets later on and that weigh you down. And, you know, thank God for forgiveness and everything else. But I'd a whole lot rather listen to God now when I just don't understand it than find out later why he was saying, do not do that. I'm telling you, don't do that. Get away from that. Run away from that situation. Don't do it. I found out way too many times after, after the fact. And so Joshua obeyed God. He said, kill the enemy kill their horses, burn their chariots, get rid of the whole, the whole thing. And look at verse 15. Verse 15. As the Lord had commanded his servant Moses, so Moses commanded Joshua. And Joshua did as he was told, carefully obeying all the commands that the Lord had given to Moses. And so there were some things that God spoke to Moses, and Moses passed them on to Joshua and Joshua said, I'm going to obey that. He carefully obeyed the word of the Lord. And, you know, as I've studied Joshua, I've noticed that out of all these victories, it wasn't necessarily a brilliant military mind that won all this. That wasn't, that wasn't Joshua's strength. His strength wasn't, wasn't military might. His strength was obedience. Joshua's strength was obedience. He obeyed what God was telling him to do. And so you may look at yourself and say, well, here's where I want to get but I don't have the resources, I don't have the ability, the strength, the looks, whatever. You know, you're looking at yourself. But what you need to be looking at is, am I obeying what God said? It's not about you. It's about God, the one that's backing you. And so Joshua's greatest strength was obedience. And there would be a lot more Joshua's in this world if people would learn to be obedient to God. We'd have a whole lot more Joshua's if they would just simply obey what the Word of God's telling them to do. We'd have a lot more Joshua's. But you remember how one of Joshua's biggest commands was to meditate the word, okay? And again, I'm going to drive that home till we get it. Meditate the word. I want you to flip back to one of the things that I can guarantee you Joshua was meditating to himself. Hold Joshua 11. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 5. I want to show you one of the things that Joshua, I can guarantee, was walking around speaking to himself. And I'll bet people looked at him saying, man, that... that He's our leader, but he's kind of weird, man. He goes around talking to himself all day long. He's pacing around in his robes, speaking to himself. And, and we found out later on why God said, Joshua, meditate right now. Do it right now. And, and we found out why later on. I'm glad Joshua didn't say, man, that's weird. I'm going to go around talking to myself all day. That's, that's weird. That doesn't make any sense. I'm not going to do it. No, I can't do that. He just did it. And here's one of the things. One of the writings of Moses, part of the law, that, that he would have been meditating to himself. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 33. I like this in the NIV here. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 33. 
It says, walk in obedience to all that the Lord your God has commanded you. So that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land that you will possess. You see how many things are built into that verse that Joshua had memorized and spoke to himself that he needed to hear? Walk in obedience to the Lord your God. So he's walked around. Okay, walk in obedience to the Lord your God. Walk in obedience to the Lord your God. And he's getting that in his spirit. And then there's a promise here at the end that he would live and prosper and prolong his days in the land that you will possess. At this point in time, it didn't look like they were going to possess the land in Deuteronomy 5. No, it looked, things looked bad. It looked like they were going to die out in the wilderness being out there for 40 years. But Joshua had this promise. No, I'm going to possess that land. I'm going to live in it. I'm going to prosper in it. That place is going to be my home someday. I'm going to obey God. I'm going to do what he says to do. And he's been repeating this to himself. And so when these battles come against him and God gives him crazy instructions, go shout at this wall. Go cross this river. Go send, the, go send the preachers into the river first. Go over here and sing this song. Go over here and say this to these guys. Go over here and kill these horses and burn these chariots. I, when God told him all these weird and crazy things, Joshua didn't question. He said, okay, obey the Lord my God and I'm going to live long. I'm going to live prosperous. And I'm, I'm going to possess this land. And he just did it because it went back to the root that he was meditating. And because he did that, he was obedient to God. And his main reason for obedience was because he had the heart of God. He loved God. And that has to be your reason for obeying, is that you love God. Because if your reason is anything other than love for God, you'll eventually give up and walk away. I've seen it a thousand times. If your reason for obeying God is because you're afraid of punishment coming upon your life, that'll work for a little while. But eventually, when things get better, you'll walk away and say, okay, I guess I'm not going to get in trouble. I guess I'm not going to get judged by God. I'll, I'll, okay, I'm good. I'll, I can go back to life now. It, it, it doesn't work. If, you're, if your reason for obeying God is because you just want all the cool things that God can do for you, and God will do some cool things for you, but that's not the reason to obey. I don't tithe because God gives me blessings. I tithe because I love God, first of all. I don't give to others because I want to get something in return, although that does happen, and although that is very biblical to give and it be given back unto me, but that's not my reason for giving. My reason for giving is love. My reason for doing the things that I do at church, for serving, for preaching, for everything else, is because I love God. If it was for anything else, I'd eventually give up and walk away like so many other people have. You can just throw this on the screen. John 14, 15. John 14, 15, uh, Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commands. If you love me, obey my commands. And that's, that's right there in the New Testament. So many people, you know, they look at the New Testament and say, well, you know, we're in the New Testament. You know, there's no laws and regulations. But Jesus said, listen, I've got commandments. If you love me, you'll obey my commands. You'll do what I say. And, and Joshua, he got down to this because he spent so much time with God. He knew the heart of God. There's something, another interesting thing that Jesus said when he was telling the story of the wise man that built his house upon the rock. You remember that? And, and, and he's telling this story, and Jesus says to these guys, he says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, but you don't do the things that I say? And I mean, that, that's always got me. 
how many people do I know that they call Jesus Lord, but they don't do the things that he says? That doesn't make any sense at all. And Jesus was confused by it when he's talking to this group of people. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but you don't do the things that I say? That's why it doesn't make any sense to me when I hear somebody say they love the Lord, but they, they, they live their life in direct opposition to the word of God. I mean, it doesn't make any sense at all. And, and I saw the craziest thing today. I don't like to talk about this, but I saw some guy on the Internet that I know. He posted one picture of himself with a, a 40 upside down like this. I'm dead serious. And then the very next picture down was a picture of him at church later that day saying, church was great today. Then the next picture down was uh, several curse words. I mean, and, you know, you say, don't judge him. Oh, I'm going to judge that. That is wrong. That's messed up. You can say, Lord, Lord. Lord, Lord, and, and then live your life like that. That's crazy, man. And then go and pray because you're in a bad situation and say, where's God? Why did this happen to me? Why? I don't get it. I know why. You were out getting drunk when you should have been reading your Bible. You were out messing around with and all this stuff when you shouldn't have been doing that. And you're saying, where was God? Are you kidding me? He doesn't owe you anything if you're acting like that. And so it's junk like that where, where, where people, you know, they, they think they love the Lord, but they don't love the Lord. You don't love God if you're acting like that. You may like him. I know a lot of people that like God, they like the idea of Jesus being Lord. Like, I agree with that. Okay, yeah, I believe Jesus died on the cross. And, yeah, I believe, he, I believe Jesus existed. I, I like that idea. I like believing in a higher power. I know tons of people like that, but that's all it is. You don't love the Lord if you're like that. You like God, and you like the idea of, G, of, of Jesus and the whole Christian thing. But that Joshua, he didn't like God. He loved God. David, he didn't just have a, a, a like for God when he was in trouble. He loved God. He didn't live 29, 30 days out of the month like a, a crazy you know, lunatic, berating people, cussing them out, all this nasty stuff. And then the one day that he's in trouble, okay, I better, better you know, oh, I love you, Jesus. You're my Lord. Uh, man, no. It doesn't work that way. It does not work that way. And so Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. And that's what Joshua, that's what David did. That's how they lived their lives. And that's how I want to live my life. And we, I mean, hey, far from perfect, but I'm trying to be like these guys. I'm trying to be like Jesus the best that I can. And there's no way you're going to find me uh, in, in, in some of these situations and, and, then, and then bring trouble upon my life and say, where was God? I mean, listen, there's been times that I've, I have brought trouble into my life and I didn't dare question where was God. I knew that was my stinking fault. And I'll be honest, I deserved what I got. I've received a few behind kickings in my day that I deserved every single second of it. But thank God he didn't let me stay there. Thank God that Jesus still came to the rescue even though I was getting what I deserved. And he pulled me out, dusted me off and said, here, we're going to give you another chance. You take another swing at it. You're going to be all right. He's faithful. He's just to forgive us our sins. Thank God for that. But you've got to realize sometimes that, hey... Listen, I can do better than this. I've got to do better than this if I'm going to do everything and be everything that God wants me to be. And so Joshua, listen, he didn't panic when the enemy surrounded. He just obeyed what God said to do. And then the best part of this story is the end of it. Joshua, number three, finished off the giants. Joshua, do you remember in Numbers 14 when Moses sent Joshua and Caleb and ten other guys to spy out the land. Did anybody remember this? So they leave Egypt, they, and they get over to, to Canaan land and pretty quickly. 
And, and so uh, Moses says, listen, I want to send out 12 guys to spy out this promised land. Go see what it's like. Go see what it's going to take to conquer this place. I'm ready to do this. Let's go. And so he picks 12 guys, one guy from each of the 12 tribes of Israel. And so 10 guys come back and say, listen, it's awesome there, but we can't do it. There's giants. We're going to get it. We can't. We can't take it. Joshua and Caleb, you know this story. I'm just repeating it. But Joshua and Caleb, they come back and say, listen, it's awesome. And the best part is there's giants there. Can you imagine how cool it would be if we killed giants? That would be awesome. And so everybody else is saying, oh, no, giants. And Joshua and Caleb like, boy, giants, yes. Man, I mean, you don't get much credit if you beat a little person. But if you beat a giant, you're awesome. You're a legend. And so they weren't looking to go in there and, you know, attack a bunch of mini-me's. They, they were like, this is going to be the sweetest victory in the history of the world. If we can defeat a whole group of giants, man, that would be, I mean, we'll be legends. This would be incredible. And so, as we know, though, the majority ruled that time. And, 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 and God said, listen, there's only two guys here that want to go in and fight this. This is pathetic. Everybody out. Everybody go. And so they had to go. You can look at a map. They were right there. They had to go way out in the wilderness for 40 years until every last one of the sissies died off. And God said that. He said, I'll let you guys get in there, but, but not the guys that were afraid. Uh, as any of those guys that were a fighting age that were too afraid to fight this battle, we're not going to get in there until every one of them dies off. It took 40 years for the last one to die. And then, Joshua, and then God says, all right, it's time to go. That's when we caught up in uh, Joshua 1, where we were at. And so, here we are. Joshua finds out, oh, listen, there's descendants of Anak over here? All right. I've waited 40-something years for this moment. Oh, man, there's giants? Nobody told me there's giants. We're going to go kill these dudes. And so he wiped out the enemy soldiers and everything else and burned the chariots. And, the, and actually, there were three military campaigns in the book of Joshua. This was the third and final one. They had just cleared out the final enemies. Joshua finds out there's giants to go kill. So look at this. Joshua chapter 11, verse 21. Joshua chapter 11, verse 21. Oh, man. So during this period... Joshua destroyed all the descendants of Anak who lived in the hill country of Hebron, Debir, Anab, and the hill country of Judah and Israel. And so the descendants of Anak, these were these giants that lived in this area. They were descendants of a group of people in the book of Genesis called the Nephilim. And these, these, these people, they were giants. They were absolute huge. I mean, you hear about Goliath, like nine feet tall. We're talking about people like that. And, and, you know, there's some really tall guys that are clumsy. I played basketball with this really tall guy, but he was clumsy, so he wasn't any good. But, I mean, these guys, they weren't like that. These guys were giants, but they were also really agile and fighting machines. And so, uh, yeah, they were evil. They were strong. They were powerful. They were quick. They were everything but Joshua wasn't afraid of him. So he finds out that, hey, here we go. And so he destroys all the descendants of Anak, all the giants in that entire region. Everyone he could find, he kills them. And so he killed them all and completely destroyed their towns. I mean, he wasn't just content. He went and he like burned their towns and trashed them and everything else. And, and it says, none of the descendants of Anak were left in all the land of Israel, though some still remained in Gaza, Gath, and Ashdod. 
And so he changed, I mean, every single one that was in Israel, he killed them and he burned down their towns and everything else. And we're all like, that sounds so violent. Listen, these were evil people. And Joshua, he had 40 years to think about this. Can you imagine he was this close to entering the promised land? And because everybody being afraid of these guys, he had to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Joshua kept a good attitude, but do you think he was happy walking through the desert for 40 stinking years? No, absolutely not. When he could have been in there 40 years ago, enjoying the grapes that were this big, enjoying the pomegranates, I mean, just living off the land of milk and honey. He had to walk in the desert for 40 years, and it wasn't his fault. It was everybody else's fault. So I think when Joshua heard that there were some giants still around, he went after them with a fury and a rage. And he, I mean, he's in his 80s. He's in his upper 80s by this point. He's climbing mountains. He's doing everything else, just ransacking these guys. And he finally beat the giants. He found out that there were still giants lurking there, and he still did it. And by the way, Caleb was still alive too. And Caleb got a piece of the action. And you can find out in, I think it's chapter 14, where Caleb gets his mountain. And that's a cool story we may tell. But Caleb, he, Joshua and Caleb, they were still alive. They were in their 80s. But they went out there and they killed these giants. In our, in our lives, there may still be some giants lurking in the background that we've never fully dealt with. There may be some things that maybe years ago, held you back from doing what God wanted. Maybe they held you back from the promised land, and it's been so long, but every now and then the giants pop up, and you're like, oh, I, th- I thought I had that under control, or, or I, I, I thought this was beaten. But every now and then the giant still tries to come back. Listen, there's only one way to deal with a giant. You've got to cut its stinking head off. And listen to me. Did you see right here that it said the, the few giants that were left went to Gaza, Gath, and Ashdod? Well, you know, Goliath, what was his name? Goliath of Yeah, Goliath of Gath. And so Goliath, he was one of these descendants, you know, much later when David fought him, Goliath was one of these descendants of Anak that escaped to Gath. And how did David beat Goliath? Listen, he hit him with that rock. Goliath fell dead to the ground. We know that. But David wasn't content there. What did David do after Goliath? He picked up his own sword and he cut the head off, man. He, he, he just defeated that thing and he dealt with it once and for all. There was no way in the world that Goliath was ever going to come back and mess with the people of Israel or mess with David or mess with the children of God. David dealt with it all the way. And that's what we have to do. If there's a giant in your life, if there's some trying to hold you back and steal from you and mess with your peace, steal your joy, and every now and then it pops its head up, hey, remember me? I used to mess with you way back then. Hey, remember me? I'm still around. You never dealt with me. Listen, now's the time to deal with that. And how do you do it? With the sword. What? The sword? The sword of the Spirit in Ephesians 6. It says, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It all comes back to the Word of God. And, you, and, and that's what we've got to get. That's the main thing you've got to get out of all this. Is Joshua was a man of obedience, but he was a man of the Word. He meditated these scriptures. And in this New Testament era that we live in, the new covenant that you live in right now in 2016, you've got a sword. It's the Bible. And how do you use that? You read it and you speak it. You speak those scriptures over your situation. If it's sickness, whatever it is, you speak scriptures over it. You go at the enemy with a fury. Listen, 
I wake up every morning, and I don't want to say in a rage, but I wake up and I go after the devil. And, when I, and you think, yeah, it sounds weird. Listen, I think you're weird if you don't do that. I roll out of bed, and I head out there, and I grab a Bible, and I start speaking. Like at 5 a.m., man, first thing I do, I start speaking scriptures. I start praying. I start reading. I start confessing. I've got this little book that I've just written all these scriptures in. I'll go through this. There's only room for, there's only 50 pages. But, but anyway, I just go through there, and I'll read verse after verse verse after verse i mean for an hour and i'm telling you this makes a difference because when the enemy attacks i don't have to wonder oh gosh i know there's a verse that deals with it i mean it just comes out i go swinging that sword and that's you know it's not making me look good i'm just telling you i take this seriously i take it very seriously the devil's not going to steal from me he's not going to come in and mess with my life because god's on my side the lord is my light and my salvation I won't be afraid, even if I'm attacked. I'll remain confident. God's on my side, and I'm going to win. And so let me show you this last verse here, Joshua 11:23. Joshua 11:23. So Joshua and David, another similarity is they both dealt with giants. Joshua 11:23. So Joshua took control of the entire land, just as the Lord had instructed Moses. He gave it to the people of Israel as their special possession, dividing the land among the tribes. So the land finally had rest from war. This was it. Joshua cleared out dozens and dozens of armies and cities, cleared towns out and everything else. This was the third military campaign that he won. And as you'll study some more of the next chapters, he just starts dividing the land. Okay, Judah, you get to live over here. You know, this tribe, you get to live over here. Dan, ben, they, they all get to pick where they were going to live at. And that's what he did next because they all fought for it and they all got what they deserved. And so we're just going to encourage you with this tonight. Man, if you're attacked, don't panic. Don't be afraid. Just listen to what God's telling you to do. Obey it and watch what God can do in your life. He'll bring you out of it and you'll come out on top in victory just like Joshua did. Amen? All right, let's go ahead and stand up tonight. Let's go ahead and stand up.